Okay, David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my Savior, the one who saves me from violence. I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the earth shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. A great brightness shone round him, and burning coals blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered his enemies. His lightning flashed, and they were confused. Then all the commands of the Lord at the blast of his breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached down from the heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress. But the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my obedience and my innocence. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. I have followed all of his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He is. He has seen my innocence. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. To the wicked, you show yourself hostile. You rescue the humble, but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them. O oh Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect, and all the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock? God is my strong fortress, and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, 
enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arms to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. I chased my enemy and destroyed them. I did not stop till they were conquered. I consumed them. I struck them down so they did not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. You placed my foot on their necks. I have destroyed all who hate me. They looked for help, but no one came to their rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer I grounded them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trampled them in the gutter like dirt. You give me victory over my accusers. You preserve me as the ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. Four nations cringe before me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. They all lose their courage and come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock, my God, the rock of my salvation. Be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He brings down the nations under me and delivers me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victory to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. These are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, speaks. David, the man who was raised up so high. David, the man anointed by the God of Jacob. David the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His words are upon my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, The one who rules righteously, who rules in the fear of God, is like the light of morning at sunrise, like a morning without clouds, like the gleaming of the sun on new grass after rain. Is it not my family God has chosen? Yes, he has made an everlasting covenant with me. His agreement is arranged and guaranteed in every detail. He will ensure my safety and success, but the godless are like thorns to be thrown away, for they tear the hand that touches them. One must use iron tools to chop them down, they will be totally consumed by fire. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashobim, the Hakomite, who, who was the leader of the three. The three mightiest warriors among David's men, he once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahoea. Once Eleazar and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. 
He killed Philistines until hand was too tired to lift his sword. And the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. Next in rank was Shammah, son of Agi, from Harar. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three who were among the 30 and elite group among David's fighting men went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at that time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate of Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistines' lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. Abishai, son of Sariah, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became as famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was the commander though he was not one of the three. There was also Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he chased the lion down into a pit and killed it. Once armed only with a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. These like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three, and David made him captain of his bodyguard. Whew, boy, a lot of action there. Thank you, God. There's something about the number 30. I once had a vision, more like a, a vision, where the Heavenly Father was handing me 30 bars of gold over my right shoulder. I was sitting at the park where I normally do and conduct the, uh, the meetings. We pray and we meet. And uh, it was out of heaven. His hand was handing me over my right shoulder. Uh, 30 bars of gold and you know how heavy a bar can get after 30 of them I think it weighs about 25 pounds one bar so anyway I'm, I could be wrong it's about in today's standards 
uh, that's a lot of weight, about 800 pounds, for what I calculated. That was a dream, folks. I can order some gold bars from Amazon and, and uh, watch them, enjoy them. All right, moving right along. Chapter 2 of Acts. Chapter 2 of Acts. Chapter 2 of Acts. You know, I just don't want to forget uh, on verse 31 on 2 Samuel. says, God's way is perfect and the Lord's promises prove true. Okay? The Lord's promises prove true. Here we go. Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and set on each of them. And everyone present, present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the providence of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we are all here, these people, speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven. Other apostles and shouted to the crowds, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Now, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As you well know, 
But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nail him to a cross and kill him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in his grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the ways of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raises Jesus from the dead, and we are all witness of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven, at God's right hand, and the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Just as you see and hear today, for David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. All who have been called by this, by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. Amen and amen. The word of the Lord. Let's go ahead and read the uh, commentary. It says right here, The good news was going to spread throughout the whole world, beginning in Jerusalem. The inclusion of all the nations illustrated God's all-encompassing plan. Salvation through faith in Jesus is not limited to any race or group or people. Christ offers salvation to all people, no matter what. God offers you forgiveness and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. He calls you to help others to understand this good news. And he gives his Holy Spirit to enable you to communicate his message. What language has been given God given you? What town has he put you in? What co-worker or friends has he brought you into your life? Okay, okay, I get the message. Hey, let's go ahead and pray the sinner's prayer. Um, you know, when I said the sinner's prayer, I probably said it a lot of time, nine, ten years old as a kid. You know, I get I get cornered. I'm out there uh, not going to school, truant and fishing around Echo Park Lake. And over there, Angelus Temple, there was a lot of walkers that were going through there meditating. And I'm supposed to be in school, hiding beside the bushes, fishing. They came up to me and they cornered me, you know, met two or three times. And I remember, I knew I had to say, I knew the answer was Jesus. Whatever question they asked me, the answer would be Jesus. I knew that much. So I said Jesus and I piously said their prayers. And then I really said a prayer. I got to a position where God was speaking to me when I was about 25 years old. And he was blessing me. I was going to a 12-step program, you know, that I was sent because of drinking. Yep, I'm not a saint. Um, and they, uh, at the program, we kept praying and we kept seeking uh, righteousness. We kept <laughs> seeking truth. Make a long story short, I noticed that God was doing things for me. And then I noticed that God wanted me to do something. And that was uh, to say yes to the cross, say yes to Jesus. I had no problem. I had lost everything. I had no other choice. God, in his wisdom and his mercy, cornered me. I, couldn't, I didn't have any options to the left. I didn't have any options to the right. All I had was a job. And uh, I was humble through life, beatings. I got the snot beat out of me that I was able to pay attention to what God was telling me. And I said yes to the cross. I said, yes, Lord, I accept Jesus as the mighty Messiah crucified on there to take away my sins. I said, yes. You know, uh, and then after that, I, I got a great appetite for reading, and that was about 38 years ago, and I haven't stopped as you noticed, I'm always talking. <laughs> All right, moving right along. So please say, say, repeat after me. Say, Father God, forgive me of all my sins. I repent 
cleanse my heart through your son, Jesus Christ, through the blood of your son. He died on the cross for me to take away all my sins. I accept that. I believe Jesus was raised from the dead and he lives inside of me. I ask him, come into my heart, Lord, and cleanse me and live in me and make me all that you call me to be, Lord. I surrender my life to you. Please enter my heart and be with me forever. Amen. Amen. If you said this and you genuinely felt something, pick up the Bible and start reading the book of John uh, and stay there. Read uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17 chapters every day for the rest of your life. Um, and 1 John 1 through 5 for the rest of your life. All the, all the other ones is going to be uh, dessert. But eat these every day to the best of your ability. And you'll see the great love of God bring you everything you need in life. He'll cover you with his protection. Reading Psalm 122, verse 19. God bless you. Let's ask God to give the community of believers peace instead of arguing and division. To give his chosen people, Israel, peace with God through faith in Christ Jesus the Messiah. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord God, that you that we come together with the community of believers, with the body of Christ, the victorious army. And Lord, that we be in harmony and agreement and agree, Lord God. And we all, as one people, say, God bless Israel. Peace, peace be unto Israel. Peace be unto the palaces and the walls of Israel. Through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Be glorified, Jesus, in these turmoils. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 122, 1 through 9. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gate, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. It seems less walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here they come to give thanks to the name of the lord as the law requires of israel here stands the thrones where judgment is given the thrones of the dynasty of david pray for the peace of jerusalem may all who loves this city prosper O jerusalem may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces for the sake of my family and friends i will say May you have peace. May you have peace. Hallelujah. Everybody raise your hands toward the east and say, Jerusalem, may you have peace. Peace be within your walls. Amen. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. And Proverbs, amen. And Proverbs 16, verse 19 to 20, says, Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Better to live humbly with the poor. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. Amen. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. You know, I have that verse on my wall. 
I had it on my wall for over 12 years. That, 16, 20. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. You know, uh, you need... I I need I put this verse in my heart and sear it and it, and it's come true. I listen for instruction and I prosper. I trust in the Lord, which is the hardest thing to do for us to trust to let go and let God. But there's where our confidence comes from. That's where we lack confidence if we're not trusting in the Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you and, and make His face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you peace. Establish you in every way. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. June 3rd, 2 Samuel, chapter 20. Greetings. Welcome to today's reading. Let's go ahead and say a little prayer. Father God, we ask you to help us to forget about our activities, our duties, and give us a hearing ear and eye and take a breather, Lord, to hear you. Let us set aside everything that we know about the Bible so far to give us a fresh new revelation of today's words and commodities that will take us places. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we give you our time and our ears. Amen. All right, we're going to be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14 to 21-22 from the New Living Testament. Meanwhile, Sheba traveled through all the tribes of Israel and eventually came to the town of Abel Beth Makah. All the members of his own clan, the Bikris, Cretes assemble for battle and follow him into the town. When Joab's forces arrive, they attack Abel Bet Makah. They built a siege ramp against the town's fortifications and began battering down the wall. But a wise woman in the town called out to Joab, Listen to me, Joab. Come here so I can talk to you. As he approached the wall, the woman asked, Are you Joab? I am, he replied. So she said, Listen carefully to your servant. I am listening, he said. Then she continued, There used to be a saying, If you want to settle an argument, ask advice at the town of Abel. I am one who is peace-loving and faithful in Israel. Why do you want to devour what belongs to the Lord? But you are destroying an an important town in Israel. Then Joab replied, Believe me, I don't want to devour or destroy your town. That's not my purpose. All I want is a man named Sheba, son of Bikri, from the hill country of Ephraim, who has revolted against King David. If you hand over this one man to me, I will leave the town in peace. All right, the woman replied, we will throw his head over the wall to you. Then the woman went to all the people with her, 
wise advice, and they cut off Sheba's head and threw it out to Joab. So he blew the ram's horn and called his troops back from the attack. They all returned to their homes, and Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. Now Joab was the commander of the army of Israel. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was captain of the king's bodyguard. Adoniram was in charge of the labor force. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the royal historian. Sheba was the court secretary. Sadak and Abiatar were the priests. And Ira, a descendant of Jair, was Dave's personal priest. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, The famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibbonites. So the king summoned the Gibbonites. They were not part of Israel, but were all that was left of the nation of the Amorites. The people of Israel had sworn not to kill them, but Saul and his seal for Israel and Judah had tried to wipe them out. David asked him, What can I do for you? How can I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's people again? Well, money can't settle this matter between us and the family between us and the family of Saul. The Gibeonites replied, Neither can we demand the life of anyone in Israel. What can I do then? Then David asked, Just tell me, and I will tell do it for you. Then they replied, It was Saul who planted to destroy us, to keep us from having any place at all in the territory of Israel. So let seven of Saul's sons be handed over to us, and we will execute them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. All right, the king said, I will do it. The king spared Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who was Saul's grandson, because of the oath David and Jonathan had sworn before the Lord. But he gave them Saul's two sons, Armoni and Mephibosheth, whose mother was Ripsah, daughter of, yeah, I guess it's another Mephibosheth. He also gave him the five sons of Saul's daughter, Mira, the wife of Adriel, son of Barzillai from Meholah. The men of Gibeon executed them on the mountain before the Lord. So all seven of them died together at the beginning of the barley harvest. Then Rip Rispah, daughter of Aiah, the mother of two of the men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. When David learned that Rispah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabez Gilead and retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. When the Philistines had killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount the people of Jabez Gilead stole their bodies from the public square at Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan, as well as the bones of the men of Gibeon the Gibeonites had executed. 
Then the king ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father, at the town of Zilah in the land of Benjamin. After that, God ended the famine in the land. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak, exhausted. Ishbi Ben-Nov was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds. And he has, was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Then David's men declare, You are not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the lights of Israel? After this, there was another battle against the Philistines at Gob. As the, they fought, Sibekai from Husha killed Sap, another descendant of the giants. During another battle at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jair, from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encounter a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all, who was also a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shemel. The four Philistines were descendants of the giants of God, but David and his warriors killed them. Often the courage to speak a few sensible words can prevent great disaster as that women did on the wall. We need wisdom like the woman and how to respond to conflicts and dangers. Scripture tells you that fear of the Lord is the fountain of wisdom, Proverbs 8.10. This means that when we seek the Lord and follow his word, he gives us the wisdom we need to deal with all kinds of situations. Look to God for the wisdom you need, and don't hesitate to apply the wisdom He gives to you in the situations you have. Amen. Okay, moving right along, we're going to be opening the book of Acts. This, the meditation, the commentary says, During the years of Jesus' ministry on earth, the disciples continued and wondered about the restoration of the kingdom. Wondered, when would it come? What would be their rule? Role. In the traditional view, the Messiah would be an early conqueror. But the kingdom which Jesus spoke is a spiritual kingdom, first of all, established in the heart and lives of believers, Luke 17, 21. Jesus' followers are called to testify to people at all nations about the living victorious king, and they need the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's mission. God has important work for you to do, but you must do it by the Spirit's power. Are you waiting and listening for God's complete instructions? God's timing and power is essential for you to truly be effective. When you face difficult tasks, it's important decision or battling dilemma. Make your first step prayer for the Holy Spirit's power and guidance. 
Amen. And today, that is the book of Acts. Chapter 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving his chosen apostles further instruction to the Holy Spirit during the 40 days of Amen to that. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As told you before, as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles with Jesus, they apostle where with Jesus they asked kept asking him Lord has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom he replied the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth after saying this, he was taken up into the cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising to the heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. During this time, there were about 120 believers who were together in one place. Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit. Speaking through King David, Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Judas had brought, bought a field with the money he received for his treasury. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all his intentions. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramic name, Akaldam, which means field of blood. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolated with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. 
Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen and an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belonged. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become apostle with the other eleven. Amen. The word of the Lord. And the ways God has watched over us, and we thank Him for it. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you, we praise you. Lord, we just thank you for watching over us. Thank you for your care for us. And thank you, Father, that all the evidence that we don't even see around us, Lord, all the raw materials that you bring to keep us in existence and around us, Lord. All the elements, Lord God, and the miracle of your word sustaining and holding everything, Lord, sustaining us, Lord. We thank you for the word. We thank you for, we reverence you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you and thank you, Father God. Your word is true. Say yes and amen to your promises. Yes and amen to your word. And we laugh at our problems, Lord. <laughs> In the light of your word, Lord God. There has to be a test. And we will pass the test through Jesus Christ, our master, counselor, savior, friend, uh, healer, establisher. Amen. All right, reading Psalms 121, verses 1 through 8. I looked up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome to today's reading, June 2nd. 2 Samuel chapter 19 to 2013. Then King David sent Sadok and Abiatar, the priests, to say to the elders of Judah, Why are you the last ones to welcome back the king into his palace? For I have heard that all of Israel is ready. You are my relatives, my own tribe, and own flesh and blood. So why are you the last ones to welcome back the king? And David told him to tell Amasa, Since you are my own flesh and blood, like Joab, may God strike me and even kill me if I don't appoint you as commander of my army in this place. Then Amasa convinced 
all the men of Judah, and they responded unanimously. They sent word to the king, Return to us and bring back all who are with you. So the king started back to Jerusalem, and when he arrived at the Jordan River, the people of Judah came to Gilgal to meet him and escort him across the river. Shimei, son of Jira, the man from Bahudim in Benjamin, hurried across with the men of Judah to welcome King David. A thousand other men from the tribe of Benjamin were with him, including Ziba, the chief servant of the house of Saul, and Ziba's fifteen sons and twenty servants. They rushed down to the Jordan to meet the king. They crossed the shallows of the Jordan to bring the king's household across the river, helping him in everywhere they could. As the king was about to cross the river, Shemel fell down before him. My lord, the king, please forgive me, he pleaded. Forget the terrible things your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sin. That is why I have come here today, the very first person in all Israel, to greet my lord, the king. Then Abishal, son of Sariah, said, She may should die, for he cursed the Lord's anointed king. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zariah? David exclaimed. Why have you become my adversary today? This is not a day for execution, but for celebration. Today I am once again the king of Israel. Then turning to Shimei, David vowed, your life will be spared. Now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, came down from Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not cared for his feet trimmed his beard or washed his clothes since the day the king left Jerusalem. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? The king asked him. Mephibosheth replied, My lord the king, my servant Seba deceived me. I told him, saddle my donkey so I can go with the king for, as you know, I am crippled. Seba has slandered me by saying that I refuse to come. But I know that my lord the king is like an angel of God, so do what you think is best. All my relatives and I could expect only death from you, my lord. But instead you have honored me by allowing me to eat out of your own table. What more can I ask? You said enough, David replied. I decided that you and Seba will divide your land equally between you. Give him all of it, Mephibosheth said. I am content just to have you safely back again, my lord the king. Barzillai of Gilead had come down from Rogelim to escort the king across the Jordan. He was very old, about 80, and very wealthy. He was the one who had provided food for the king during his stay in Mahanaim. Come across with me and live in Jerusalem, the king said to Barzillai. I will take care of you there. No, he replied, I am far too old to go with the king to Jerusalem. I am 80 years old today, and I can no longer enjoy anything. Food and wine are no longer tasty, and I cannot hear the singers as they sing. I would only be a burden to my lord, the king. Just go across the Jordan River with the king is all the honor I need. 
Then he let then let me return again to die in my own town, where my father and mother are buried. But here is your servant, my son Kimham. Let him go with my lord the king and receive whatever you want to give to him. Good, the king agreed. King Ham will go with me, and I will help him in any way you would like. And I will do for you anything you want. So all the people crossed the Jordan with the king. After David had blessed Basilai and kissed him, Barsalai returned to his own home. The king then crossed over to Gilgal, taking Kimham with him. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel escorted the king on his way. But all the men of Israel complained to the king. The men of Judah stole the king and didn't give us the honor of helping take you, your household, and all of your men across the Jordan. The men of Judah replied, The king is one of our only king's men. Why should this make you angry? Why haven't eaten any of we we haven't eaten any of the king's food or received any special favors? But there are ten tribes in Israel, the others replied. So we have ten times as much right to the king as you do. What right do you have to treat us with such contempt? Weren't we the first to speak of bringing him back to be our king again? The argument continued back and forth, and the men of Judah spoke even more harshly than the men of Israel. There happened to be a troublemaker there named Sheba, son of Bikri, a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Sheba blew a ram's horn and began to chant, Down with the dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Come on, you man of Israel, back to your homes. So all the men of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, son of Bikri. But the men of Judah stayed with their king and escorted him from the Jordan River to Jerusalem. When David came into his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines he had left to look after the palace and placed them in seclusion. Their needs were provided for, but he had no longer slept with them, so each of them lived like a widow until she died. Then the king told Amasa, Mobilize the army of Judah within three days and report back at that time. So Amasa went out to notify Judah, but it took him longer than the time he had been given. Then David said to Abishai, Sheba, son of Bikri, is going to hurt us more than Absalom did. Quick, take my troops and chase after him before he gets into a fortified town. There we can reach him. So Abishai and Joab, together with the king's bodyguard and all the mighty warriors, set out from Jerusalem to go after Sheba. As they arrived at the great stone in Gibeon, Amasa met them. Joab was wearing his military tunic with a dagger strapped to his belt. As he stepped forward to greet Amasa, he slipped the dagger from his sheet. How are you, my cousin, Joab said, and took him by the beard with his right hand as though to kiss him. Amasa didn't notice the dagger in his left hand, and Joab stabbed him in the stomach with it so that his insides gushed out into the ground. Joab did not need to strike again, and Amasa soon died. Joab and his brother Abishai left him lying there and continued after Sheba.
One of Job's young men shouted to Amasa's troops, If you are for Job and David, come and follow Joab. But Amas laid in the blood in the middle of the road, and Joab's men saw that everyone was stepping to stare at him. So he pulled him off the road into a field and threw a cloak over him. With Amasa's body out of the way, everyone went on with Joab to capture Sheba, son of Bikri. Reading of John chapter 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples besides the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing at the beach, but the disciple couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your nets on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the load net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you like. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved. 
the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't the, what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? The disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. The word of the Lord. Now a reading from Psalms. We ask God for it to him rescue us from trouble and his peace in difficult circumstances. Let's pray. Father God, we plead with you to rescue us, Lord, from any troubles we may be encountering, any supplies that we need to keep doing the work you call us to do, Lord. We pray for the troubled ones that are in our hearts. Uh, blessings of the Lord be upon their heads. We speak to the audience that peace, peace, be unto them peace in their difficult situations. We declare to them all is well. All is well in their household, in their spirit, and in their minds, and in their souls. Amen. All is well. Reading of Psalm 120. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars. And from all deceitful people, O oh, deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? You will be pierced with sharp arrows and buried with glowing coals, burned with glowing coals. How I suffer in far off Meshesh. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. I am tired of living among the people who hate peace. I search for peace, but when I speak of peace, they want war. Reading of Proverbs 16, 16 and 17. How much better is to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver? The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows the path is safe. The word of the Lord. June 1st, 2 Samuel, chapter 18, to 1910. David now mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. He sent the troops out in three groups, placing one group under Joab, one under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Sariah, and another, Itai, the man from God, the king told his troops, I am going out with you. But his men objected strongly. You must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. 
you are worth 10,000 of us, and it is better that you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it, the king answered. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. And the king gave this command to Joab, Abishai, and Itai, for my sake, deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men laid down their lives. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. During the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. What? Joab demanded. You saw him there and didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt. I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver, the man replied to Joab. We all heard the king say to you and Abishai and Itai for my sake, please spare young Absalom. And if I had betrayed the king by killing his son, and the king would certainly find out who did it. You yourself would be the first to abandon me. Enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled still alive in the great tree. Ten of Joab's young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it, and all of Israel fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to carry out my name. He named the monument after himself, and it is known as Absalom's monument to this day. Then Sadak, son of Ahimaaz, said, Let me run to the king with the good news that the Lord has rescued him from his enemies. No, Joab told him. It wouldn't be good news for the king that his son is dead. You can be my messenger another time, but not today. Then Joab said to a man from Ethiopia, Go tell the king what you have seen. The man bowed and ran off. But Ahimaaz continued to plead with Joab, Whatever happens, please let me go too. Why should you go, my son? Joab replied. There will be no reward for your news. Yes, but let me go anyway, he begged. Joab finally said, All right, go ahead. So Ahimaaz took the less demanding route by way of the plain and ran to Mahanaim ahead of the Ethiopian. 
While David was sitting between the inner and outer gate of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running toward them. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, If he is alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running toward them. He shouted down, Here comes another one. The king replied, He also will have news. The first man runs like Ahimaaz, son of Sadak, the watchman said. Ah, he is a good man and comes with good news, the king replied. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, Everything is all right. He bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise to the Lord, your God, who has handed over the rebels who, who dare to stand against my lord, the king. What about young Absalom, the king demanded. Is he all right? Ahimaaz replied, when Joah told me to come, there was a lot of commotion, but I didn't know what was happening. Wait here, the king told him. Get out of the way. So Ahimaaz stepped aside. When the man from Ethiopia arrived and said, I have good news from my lord, the king, today. The Lord has rescued you from all those who rebel against you. What about young Absalom, the king demanded. Is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, May all of your enemies, my lord the king, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, he cried, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Word soon reached Joab that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom. As all the people heard of the king's deep grief for his son, the joy of that day's victory was turned into deep sadness. They crept back into the town that day as though they were ashamed and had deserted in battle. The king covered his face with his hands and kept on crying, Oh, my son, Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went to the king's room and said to him, We save your life today and the lives of your sons, your daughters and your wives and concubines. Yet you act like this, making us feel ashamed of ourselves. You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that your commanders and troops mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would be pleased. Now go out there and congratulate your troops, for I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you will be worse off than ever before. So the king went out and took his seat at the town gate. And as the news spread throughout the town that he was there, everyone went to see him. Meanwhile, the Israelites who had supported Absalom fled to their home. And throughout all the tribes of Israel, there was much discussion and argument going on. The people were saying, The king rescued us from our enemies and saved us from the Philistines, but Absalom chased him out of the country. 
Now Absalom, whom we anointed to rule over us, is dead. Why not ask King David to come back and be our king again? John chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where he had put them. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from other wrappings. Then the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures. They said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting on the head and the other on the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. <laughs> she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet extended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciple and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord again and said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
One of the 12 disciples, Thomas nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nails wounds in his hands, put my finger in them and place my hand in the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miracle signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Praying for the Psalms. We pray for fellow believers who are suffering or in need of God's rescue. Heavenly Father, we pray for the body of Christ. We pray for any believers that are suffering or sick. And we ask you, Lord, to touch them and heal them completely. Restore them. Father, by your name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, salvation and honor to you, Lord. Heal the family of God, Lord. Provide for their needs in Jesus' name. Psalm 119, verses 153 to 176. Look upon my suffering and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your, you, your, your, your instructions. Argue my case, take my side, protect my life as you promised. The wicked are far from rescue, for they do not bother with your decrees. Lord, how great is your mercy. Let me be revived by following your regulations. Many persecute and trouble me, yet I have not swerved from your laws. Seeing these traitors make me sick at heart because they care nothing for your word. See how I love your commandments. Lord, give back my life because of your unfailing love. The very essence of your word is truth. All your just regulations will stand forever. Powerful people harass me with our cause, for my heart trembles only at your word. I rejoice in your word like the one who discovers a great treasure. I hate and abhor all falsehood, but I love your instructions. I will praise you seven times a day because of all your regulations are just. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. I long for your rescue, Lord, so I have obeyed your commands. I have obeyed your laws, for I love them very much. Yes, I obey your commandments and laws because 
You know everything I do. Oh Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. Listen to my prayer. Rescue me as you promised. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for all of your commandments are right. Give me a helping hand, for I have chosen to follow your commandments. O oh Lord, I have longed for your rescue, and your instructions are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you, and may your regulations help me. I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me, for I have not forgetting your, your commandments. Amen. Proverbs 16, 14 to 15. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. The word of the Lord. June 5th. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 24 to chapter 24, 25. Other members of the 30 included Asahel, Joab's brother, Elhanan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shammah from Harod, Elika from Harod, Heles from Pelon, Ira son of Ikelish from Tikoa, Abiezer from Anathoth, Sibekiah from Usha, Salmon from Ahoa, Maharai from Netopah, Heled son of Bana from Netopah, Aitiah son of Ribai from Gilbah in the land of Benjamin, Benaiah from Pirathon, Urai from Nahali Gash, Abi Albon from Arabah, Asmabeh from Bahurin, Eliabah from Shalobon, the sons of Jason, Jonathan, son of Shagi from Harar, Ahim, son of Sharar from Harar, Eliaphelet, son of Ahazbai from Makkah, Eliam, son of Ahitopel from Gilo, Hezro from Carmel, Haraia from Arab, Egel, son of Nathan from Zobah, Bani from Gad, Zelek from Ammon, Nahari from Bidath, Joab's armor bearer, Ida from Jatir, Gadev from Jatir, Uriah the Hittite. There were 37 in all. Once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he caused David to harm them by taking a census. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord told him. So the king said to Joab and the commander of the army, Take a census of the tribes of Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, so that I may know how many people there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God let you live to see a hundred times as many people as there are now. But why? Why, my Lord? 
the king, do you want to do this? But the king insisted that they take the census. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out to count the people of Israel. First they crossed the Jordan and camped at Aror, south of the town of the valley, in the direction of Gad. Then they went on to Jazer, then to Gilead, in the land of Tathim, Hodesh, and to Danjan, and around Sidon. Then they came to the fortress of Tyre, and all the towns of the Hevites and Canaanites. Finally, they went south to Judah, as far as Beersheba. Having gone through the entire land for nine months and twenty days, they returned to Jerusalem. Job reported the number of people to the king. There were 800,000 capable warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 500,000 in Judah. But after he had taken the census, David's conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by taking the census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. The next morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, who was David's seer. This was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments and I will inflict it on you. So Gad came to David and asked him, will you choose three years of famine throughout the land? Three months of fleeing from your enemies? Or three days of severe plague throughout your land. Think this over and decide what answers I will give to the Lord who sent me. I am in desperate situation, they replied to God, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel that morning and it lasted for three days. A total of 70,000 people died throughout the nation from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. But as the angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop, that is enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Araunna, the Jebusite. When David saw the angel, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong, but these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. That day Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arauna, the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Arau Una saw the king and his men coming towards him. He came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king? Aruana asked. David replied, I have come to buy your treasure floor and to build an altar to the lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, take it, king, and use it as you wish, Aruna said to David. Here are oxen for the burnt offerings, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yoke for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Aruna, No, 
I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the treasure floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. Wow, interesting story. So the moral of the story is, let's keep on serving God. Let's not stop and count our money, our possessions, even though we're supposed to count our blessings. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 26. Peter and John went to the temple in afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in each in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg to the people into the temple, going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often in the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this and why stare at us as though we have made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is God of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. For the God of all our ancestors who have brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected his holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the altar of life but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know, you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what the prophets had foretold about the Messiah. That he must suffer these things... Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus 
your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the times for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up to you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully, do to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will completely be cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, Through your descendants, all the families on the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you, people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Amen. Let's pray for God's mercy, folks, that Jesus will be clear to those who hear the the salvation message. That they will bring their shame and disgrace and put it in Jesus' feet. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the people, Lord, that they will come forward. We claim them. We claim them for the kingdom of God, Lord, that your mercy be clear and evident on sinners' lives. We ask you for their souls in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading of Psalm 123. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord, our God, for his mercy. Just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal, have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. For we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Proverbs 16, 21-23 The wise are known for their understanding, and pleasant words are persuasive. Discretion is the life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. The word of the Lord. Kings chapter 1. King David was now very old, and no matter how many blankets covered him, he could not keep warm. So his advisors told him, Let us find a young virgin to wait on you and look after you, my lord. She will lie in your arms and keep you warm. (laughs) What a deal, huh? So they searched throughout the land of Israel for a beautiful girl, and they found Abishag from Shunem and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful, and she looked after the king and took care of him, but the king had no sexual relationship with her. About that time, David's son, Adoniah, whose mother was Haggit, began boasting, I will make myself king. So he provided for himself chariots and charioteers and recruited 
50 men to run in front of him. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? Adoniah had been born next after Absalom and was very handsome. Adoniah took Joab, son of Sariah, and Abiathar, the priest, into his confidence, and they agreed to help him become king. But Sadak, the priest, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, Nathan, the prophet, Shimei, and David's personal bodyguard refused to support Adoniah. Adoniah went to some to the stone of Soheleth, near the spring of Enrogel, where he sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves. He invited all his brothers, the other sons of King David, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaiah, or the king's bodyguard, or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, and asked her, haven't you heard that Haggit's son, Adoniah, has made himself king? And our Lord David doesn't even know about it? If you want to save your own life and the life of your son Solomon, follow my advice. Go at once to King David and say to him, My Lord, the king, didn't you make a vow to say to me, Your son Solomon will surely be the next king and will sit on my throne? Then... Why has Adoniah become king? And while you are still talking to him, I will come and confirm everything you said. So Bathsheba went into the king's bedroom. He was very old now, and Abishag was taking care of him. Bathsheba bowed down before the king. What can I do for you? He asked her. She replied, My lord, you made a vow before the Lord your God when you said to me, Your son Solomon will surely be the next king and will sit on my throne. But instead, Adoniah has made himself king, and my lord the king does not even know about it. He has sacrificed many cattle, fattened calves, and sheep, and he has invited all the king's sons to attend the celebration. He also invited Abiatar the priest and Joab, the commander of the army, But he did not invite your servant Solomon. And now, my lord, the king, all Israel is waiting for you to announce who will become king after you. If you do not act, my son Solomon and I will be treated as criminals as soon as my lord, the king, has died. While he was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived. The king's officials told him, Nathan the prophet is here to see you. Nathan went in and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Nathan asked, My lord, the king, have you decided that Adoniah will be the next king and that he will sit on your throne? Today he has sacrificed many cattle, fattened calves, and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons to attend the celebration. He also invited the commander of the army and Abiathar the priests. They are feasting and drinking with him and shouting, Long live King Adoniah. But he did not invite me or Sadak the priest or Benaiah or your servant Solomon. 
Has my lord the king really done this without letting any of his officials know you should be the next king? Who should be the next king? King David responded, Call Bathsheba. So she came back in and stood before the king, and the king repeated his vow. As surely as the Lord lives, who has rescued me from every danger, your son Solomon will be the next king and will sit on my throne this very day, just as I vowed to you before the Lord, the God of Israel. Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground before the king and exclaimed, May my Lord King David live forever. Then King David ordered Kossadak the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. When they came in to the king's presence, the king said to them, Take Solomon and my officials down to Gihon Spring. Solomon is to ride on my own mule. There Sadak... <clears throat> The priest and Nathan the prophet are to anoint him king over Israel. Blow the ram's horn and shout, Long live King Solomon! Then escort him back here and he will sit on my throne. He will succeed me as king, for I have appointed him to rule over Israel and Judah. Amen, Benaniah son of Jehoiada replied. May the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, decree that it happened. And may the Lord be with Solomon, and he has been with you, my Lord the King, and may he make Solomon's reign even greater than yours. So Sadak the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and the king's bodyguard took Solomon down to Gihon Spring, with Solomon riding on the king's, David's own mule. There, Sadak the priest took the flask of olive oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon with the oil. Then they sounded the ram's horn, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! And all the people followed Solomon into Jerusalem, playing flutes and shouting for joy. The celebration was so joyous and noisy that the earth shook with the sound. Huh. Adoniah and his guests heard the celebration and shouting just as they were finishing their banquet. When Joab heard the sound of the ram's horn, he asked, What's going on? Why is the city in such an uproar? And while he was still speaking, Jonathan, son of Abiatar, the priest, arrived. Come in, Adoniah said to him, for you are a good man. You must have good news. Not at all, Jonathan replied. Our Lord King David has just declared Solomon king. The king sent his, him down to Gihon Spring with Sadak the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, protected by the king's bodyguard. They had him ride on the king's own mule, and Sadak and Nathan have anointed him at Gihon Spring as the new king. They have just returned, and the whole city is celebrating and rejoicing. That's what all the noise is about. What's more, Solomon is now sitting on the royal throne as king, and all the royal officials have gone to King David and congratulated him, saying, May your God make Solomon's fame even greater than your own, and may Solomon's reign be even greater than yours. Then the king bowed his head in worship 
as he laid in his bed. And he said, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who today has chosen a successor to sit on my throne while I am still alive to see it. Then all of Adonai's guests jumped up in panic from the banquet table and quickly scattered. Adonai was afraid of Solomon, so he rushed to the sacred tent and grabbed onto the horns of the altar. Word soon reached Solomon that Adonijah had seized the horns of the altar in fear and that he was pleading, Let King Solomon swear today that he will not kill me. Solomon replied, If he proves himself to be loyal, not a hair of his head will be touched. But if he makes trouble, he will die. So King Solomon summoned Adoniah, and they brought him down from the altar. He came and bowed respectfully before the King Solomon, who dismissed, dismissed him, saying, Go home. Amen. Wow, what a story, huh, folks? Uh, let us see what the uh, New Living Testament has to say about uh, God-fearing leaders cannot take for granted the spiritual well-being of their children. Okay? Character takes years to develop, requiring attentive and patient discipline. And an undisciplined child may look cute to his or her own parents, but an undisciplined adult destroys himself and others. By setting limits on your children, you make it possible for them to develop the self-restraint they will need in order to control themselves later. Remember, the Bible says that foolishness is wrapped up in the heart of a child, and a good spanking will get it out. Don't break his spirit. I always give him right and wrong choices. If you do this, this is going to happen. If you do that, teach them responsibilities from day one. Talk to them in intelligent terms from birth. You can speak to them on the womb and start programming good, sensible information into a heart's mind while in the womb as they grow up. It's amazing how intelligent some of these children are on YouTube, how they talk, how their character has, and they're so well developed. They haven't been given a lot of goo goo gaga ga and and what's wrong and what are you doing and stupid information over and over again um, that is just confusing them. Don't like they did to me. <laughs> Don't let your service to God, even in leadership position, take up so much as your time and energy that you neglect your other God-given responsibilities. Discipline your children carefully while they are young so that they will grow into self-disciplined adults, Proverbs 22.6. One of the greatest things you can do if you haven't done that and your children are, are grown already is to uh, ask them to, to be good, ask them to thank God for their problems, and ask them to laugh at their problems. They say, I thank God I'm a misfit. Or apologize to them you didn't bring them up properly or giving them choices you spoke harshly to them you know they may not take it now but they'll take it later they'll always remember you're neutralizing um, and forgiving for all the wrong the pointing of fingers and yelling and screaming 
they will consider it later but we you know we just do it rightly amen okay let's keep moving on it's a beautiful wonderful story now we're going to be reading back to the book of acts in chapter 4 thank you for listening while peter and john were speaking to the people they were confronted by the priests the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. They arrested them and, since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now total about 5,000, not counting women and children. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas, John Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of all people, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stones the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinarily men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus, but since they could see that man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and comfort among themselves. What shall we do with these men? They ask each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miracle sign, miraculous sign, and everyone in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from speaking their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they call the apostles back and command them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the 
leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. They said, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers gather together against the Lord, against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governors, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Many miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they own was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who own lands or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Let's go ahead and pray for the believers living in hostile cultures and nations that God will protect them and give them liberty to share their faith. Heavenly Father, we raise to you all the workers you have out in the field, all the warriors, all the saints, Lord, for your glory, all your children, Lord, out there, Lord, husbands and wives and people that are carrying your message, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for their needs, for their for their health, and Lord, that they will be, it will be easy for them to proclaim your word, Lord. Oh, that you would bless them indeed and enlarge their territory, that your hand will be upon them, Lord, that you will anoint them with oil, that evidence, Lord, that you live in them, and may they do miraculous signs and wonders, Lord, convincing and healing the people and spreading your gospel throughout the earth where they're at, Lord. Thank you for giving them liberty to share your 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 message, the kingdom of God, Lord. And we thank you for the hostile people, Lord, that they will see you and prick their conscience, Lord, and turn to God and turn from their evil ways. In Jesus' name we declare this. Amen and amen. Now we're going to be reading Psalm 124. 
What if the Lord had not been on our side, folks? Let all Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us and torrents would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The word of the Lord. Now, a reading from Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. In Jesus' name, go in peace. The word of the Lord.